Well, hey, my name is Seth, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. And uh, my beautiful bride is Kendra. Everybody say, hey, Kendra. She's awesome, and she's not my better half. She's like the better all of it, okay? Um, I was just jacked up until she came along and still pretty messed up. So I um, love her a lot. We have a baby boy named Zane Tomboli, and uh, he's 10 months old. He has taken his first couple of steps, and we are starting to lock all the doors, okay? Hide your kids and hide your wife, all right? It's, uh, it's real. But, man, we are excited about uh, what God is doing at New Life Church. And I just want to take a, se- a second and say when I talk about how thankful I am for this church, I really do mean it because not only did I meet my wife in this church and, and now we're able to raise our son in this church, but, man, I got saved in this church. I was baptized in this church. I was called into ministry at New Life Church. And, and so this is a special place for me, and, and I love this place a lot. And so we know behind every great church is a great lead pastor. And so would y'all give it up for Pastor Rick and Michelle Bizet? I'm so thankful for them. They're awesome, and, and uh, I'm excited to have Pastor Rick back at Easter and uh, 100% in health in Jesus' name. And uh, I, I'm also very grateful uh, for our campus pastor, Pastor Chris and Kat O. Would y'all give it up for them? I love them. And Here's the thing that you need to know. I'm sure that you probably know this if you know Chris, but Chris is crazy, okay? Like, Chris is like, this is the thing is, not only is Chris crazy, but one of the non-spiritual gifts that he has is that God has given him the ability to convince other people to do the crazy things that he comes up with, okay? Does anybody, has anybody been a victim of this before, okay? Just me, all right. So, um, Tommy, you were there. I know that you know, Um, But man, Chris is crazy, and and he has a vision of reaching all 50 high points throughout the country in every state. And so he goes to Nebraska, you know, stands on top of this little mound, and he's like, I did it, you know. I'm kidding. He, He wants to climb all the tallest points across the country. And I have actually been able to go on a couple of these expeditions, journeys, if you will, with him. And he asked us this last year if we wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. And I was like, that sounds cool. It's beautiful. Has anybody been to the Grand Canyon before? So quite a few of you have been, so you're going to be able to relate to this story a little bit. The last trip that I went on before this one, though, didn't really go too well because we were on our way to go get pizza one night. We go out to our rental car. It's an SUV. There's like six or seven of us youth pastors, which is never a good idea, okay? And so we go out to the car, and there are three full-grown bears inside the rental vehicle. Some of y'all are like, I don't believe it. I have proof. I don't have time to show you. I can show you after service. They were in there eating his honey roasted peanuts that he left in there. There was no signs on the cabin that said, bears can open doors. Like, I didn't know. They had fingers. It's weird. So, um, but anyways, that was like, I, I saw that at the first trip in the Smoky Mountains, and I was thinking, the possibilities are endless, okay? And so I go into the Grand Canyon trip, and I'm, I'm watching these YouTube videos about how to prepare and pack and, and all this stuff. And, and honestly, you guys, I, I was a little nervous about the trip. I wasn't trained for the trip. I had no clue what to expect. We get to the Grand Canyon, we drive all the way across the country, and uh, we camp out at the rim, and then we're on our way to go down into the canyon on the first day. And we're at the top, and and I'm thinking, you know what, I I need to overcome a fear of mine before I overcome this fear of possibly falling to my death. And so I go into a porta potty, okay? Anybody scared of porta potties, right? Like, (laughs) These were nice porta potties. They were on top of the Grand Canyon. And so I'm, I'm sitting inside of this porta potty contemplating my life, and, and I'm going to Google like any good Christian would do. And I, I was looking up 
facts about the Grand Canyon. The first one that I found is that there is no cell phone reception in the Grand Canyon. And I'm like, sweet, if I die, no one will know about it, right? The next one said that 20 people every year fall into the canyon. And they do it because they are taking selfies, okay? This is a true statement. And the next one, I keep going down the list, and the next one said there were 1,127 medical rescue attempts in 2017. I don't know about you, but the word attempts really stood out to me. Because <laughs> that means that maybe they were successful, maybe they weren't, okay? And so we go into the canyon, we, we had a blast, and uh, we hiked 400 miles, really, it was 25, but it felt like 400, and we get into the canyon, y'all, we're eating ramen noodles, we're filtering our own water, having to use the bathroom outside, don't get a visual, and, and we, you know, we're having a good time, but I was very uncomfortable, I would consider myself somewhat of a city boy. My, my wife is from Blyville, and her family are farmers, and, and I would be considered a city boy, okay? And so I was a little out of my comfort zone. And so we ended up coming out of the canyon. We stayed there for a couple nights. We were camping, and, and it was a blast, but I definitely was not in a place that I would normally be. But the best part wasn't getting to the top of the canyon. The best part was getting back to the Airbnb. Can I get an amen, Okay. Yeah, it was nice. And I had no shame in my game about calling dibs on the shower, okay? Because I, was, I knew if I could just get clean, I'm gonna be okay. And that was the most relaxing shower I've ever taken in my entire life. I'm not a worship leader, but I was leading worship in the shower that day, okay? <laughs> I was like, God, I once was lost, but now I am. I, I was blind, but now I can. And I, I, was, I was very cold, but now your Holy Spirit is warming me, okay? Like, I, was, I had a moment with the Lord, and I'm kidding, obviously, but I was comfortable, and that's all that really mattered. I had access to Taco Bell and pizza and coffee, okay? Like, I, I had Wi-Fi, I had phone signal, and it was all about me. It was all about my comfort, and honestly, you guys, I didn't have to be bothered by anybody. I could kind of do my own thing and... And when I think about that story, I think about what I believe is the state of, of somewhat of Christianity today. And I think that a danger is that we take that same approach into our relationship with God. I would even be bold enough that we even take that same approach into our faith and our obedience and what God is leading us to do. God, if it is uncomfortable, I don't think I want any part to do with it. I just want to be comfortable. Today, I want to talk about the danger of being a little too comfy. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't get comfortable today. Some of you didn't do it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you do not get comfy today, all right? This is what I know is true, is that if the enemy can't ruin your calling by sin, then he'll try to get you too comfortable to ever step out in faith. And he, I believe that comfort is a danger, and I just wanna pray that, that God would open our eyes. So let's pray really quick. Lord, we love you. God, would you speak through me today? God, I pray that you would open every eye, every ear, and every heart in this room to receive your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So we're gonna talk about the story of Jonah today. Has anybody ever heard of Jonah? Okay, if you were in Sunday school, I wasn't in Sunday school, okay, but I know what Jonah is. And when you hear Jonah, you think about the what? The whale. What you need to know is that this story is not about a whale, okay? This story, the whale was only really mentioned a couple of verses in the text, and this story is actually about a second chance. 
It's about God's compassion for his people to reach our enemies. And and I'll even say it this way, that this is a story about delayed obedience, which if you didn't know is disobedience, and a guy that was running towards comfort and away from calling. So Jonah, we know he's the son of Amittai, and, and, and Jonah, the word Jonah actually means dove. And something very interesting about birds, doves, is that when a storm is coming, birds know. Right? Is it true that if cows are laying down, it's going to rain? I don't know. I've heard that too. But if birds are going a direction, they're migrating, they're going away from bad weather, any kind of tension. And so Jonah actually holds true to his name because adversity is coming his way. And he does what? He goes the opposite direction. And so he was a prophet, and he would bring the word to people, and one day God asked him to go to Nineveh. Everybody say Nineveh. And he was like, you know, I don't really know if I'm going to go to Nineveh. And something that you need to know about Nineveh is that this was the Assyrian empire of the world. All the Assyrians that lived there, they were like very dangerous people. They were barbaric people. They they would go into a city and kill everybody that was there and make a pyramid of their bodies just to show their power, and their strength. They would go into a city and bury people up to their heads and let them bake into the sun. I'm just trying to give you a picture. When God called Jonah to Nineveh, I would have said no too. Can I get an amen? Like I'm like, God, I don't know about that. Okay, so we know that he says no to Nineveh and that he goes to Tarshish. Everybody say Tarshish. Sounds like a cuss word from SpongeBob, okay? Like it's a real place. But this is what you need to know is that today, where Nineveh is, it's actually modern-day Iraq. It's Iraq, and, and what's interesting is that when he goes to Tarshish, something very interesting happens. He goes 2,500 miles the opposite direction of where God called him to go. He, he exerted more energy disobeying God than if he would have just obeyed him. And I think that we can relate a lot with Jonah's story. We know that he gets on a boat and the guys throw him overboard and the whale comes along. It's like modern day Uber, okay? And it like scoops him up and, and takes him to Nineveh. And then he goes and he does what God originally called him to do. I, I, t- I believe that we need to focus on the beginning of this story today. And the main reason for that is because we can place ourselves at the beginning of this text and really relate with what God is trying to teach us because if we were to be honest with ourselves today, every person in this room, is that we all have a Jonah inside of us. That when God speaks and God says go, we want to go the opposite direction. And so I wanna read Jonah chapter one, verse one through three. It says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, what? He ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. I've got two very important questions to ask you this morning before we get into the text. It is this, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. What is my Nineveh? What is my Nineveh and what is my Tarshish? Another way to ask this is, is what is God calling you and leading you to do that you keep running away from? And then also, what do you keep running to that God is trying to call you away from? Nineveh and Tarshish. The word Nineveh actually means opposition. If you look up the meaning of it, it means opposition. And this is a place where God will call you to so that he can develop you into who he's called you to be. The word Tarshish means contemplation. 
And I was talking with Pastor Chris last night, and something very interesting about contemplation is contemplation, when you start contemplating, if that's actually the word of God and that's the truth, did God really tell me to do that? Con- contemplation often will lead you to compromise. And compromise is a place where we start living in this thing called sin, and we're far away from the Lord, and, and it's like we can't go back. I've got good news for you today that God's grace is for you. And so Jonah also went to a third place. It's called Joppa. Everybody say Joppa. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to get a Joppa, okay? <laughs> it's, that's not the same word, okay? I'm just kidding. Joppa. This was a very interesting place. It meant beauty. It means like it, it's a peaceful, relaxing place. It's attractive. And another word to summarize it would be it's a comfortable place. It's a comfortable place. And I was looking up this, the uh, location of Joppa. It's actually the oldest seaport city in Israel. And so people would go there to exchange goods. This city was known for its wealth. And so it was a very comfortable place to be. And so we have a place called Nineveh, which means opposition. We have a place called Tarshish, which means what? It means contemplation, which leads to compromise. And we've got a place right in the middle called Joppa. And I believe personally that Tarshish isn't the most dangerous place you can be. Because when you're at Tarshish, you know you're there because it's disobedience. But when you're at Joppa, you're comfortable. And I think so often as a Christian, we can can get mixed up in what is Nineveh and what is Joppa. And so today, I want to I challenge you a little bit. I want to challenge your thinking a little bit. The first thing I want you to write down is that our calling is not always comfortable. Write that down. Our calling is not always comfortable. Here's the thing. God doesn't always tell us to do things that we like to do. Would y'all agree with that? Like, God doesn't always lead us to do things we like to do. It, it looks like this. Like, forgive the family member who hurt you. Talk to your coworker about your faith. Invite someone to church, or this one's tricky, leave a tip even though the service was awful, (laughs) right? Y'all have been there before. Comfort and calling don't always go hand in hand, but I also learned early on in the faith that my preferences, my, my desires, and my destiny don't mix either. And some of you are like, but Seth, it says in Psalm 37 verse 4 that God will give me the desires of my heart, Right? No, that's the end of the verse. It actually says, when you delight yourself in the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. I want to ask you a question is, if God didn't put that desire in your heart, then who did? And so you may be chasing a desire that actually didn't come from the Lord. Another thing to to, kind of a way to explain it is I was a football player, believe it or not, okay? I had double-digit head injuries and concussions, and it was just a bad deal, so I had to stop playing early on. And uh, anybody with a concussion, just give me a little fist bump, okay? And uh, it's a tough thing, but when I was playing football, I was a fullback, okay? I had a big head. I could just run right through the middle, you know? And so they had to custom order all my helmets and hats growing up. It was a sad story, y'all. I'm serious. Head's been this big since I was born. Sorry, Mom. Um... So coach calls a football play, and he says, Seth, you're going right up the middle. And I'm like, I call back to the coach. It's the winning. This will be the winning touchdown. There's only seconds left. And I say, hey, coach, I'm actually going to sit this play out (laughs) because that play 
would require me to get tackled. He calls back and he's like, you better run the ball, okay? Right, because the player doesn't call the play, the coach does. And I'm like, well, coach, I'm going to sit this one out. I, I have a thought that maybe in life our willingness to get tackled will actually result in us scoring for the kingdom of God. If, if we would take a little hit every now and then, I'm not saying life is going to be just awful and it's doom and gloom. I'm saying there will be opposition when you go the right direction in your life. And this is what shakes me up about seeing believers that are more concerned about getting tackled than scoring for the kingdom of God. And I believe that God wants us to live a little bit more on the edge. And so Jonah had a decision to make. And I'm going to tell you guys, if I was in Jonah's shoes, I'd be like, God, will you make sure they're not going to cut my head off at Nineveh? I've heard they peel people like oranges. I don't really like that, right? God, will you make sure they have coffee at Nineveh? Will you make, could you let me know where I'm going to sleep and what we're going to eat? Because, God, I just want to remind you that it's all about my comfort. I wrote this down that your personal discomfort actually leads you to the place that God wants you to go. Another way to say that is your personal discomfort will lead you to the promise that God has for your life. I, I was in college. I was playing a little bit of baseball at the time before I got injured, and, and I, I was called into the ministry, and I knew that God wanted me to start this Bible study or like a life group in my garage. And so I did, you know, what any athlete would do. I just made a bunch of bacon and had sunflower seeds and expected people to show up, okay? And so I was in my garage, and I would, I would get all the furniture and stuff ready, and, and um, for six weeks, no one showed up. Yeah, bummer, right? I'm like, God, you have forsaken me, you know? Like, and so I, had, I did what any smart person would do. My roommates would leave the house, and so I would have to mess the house up so it looked like people were there, and they would get home, they'd be like, how was it? It was great, you know. But what ends up happening is these, these 50 guys end up start, they, they came to my house. And, and there was, a, it was like a small church in our garage. People started donating couches and chairs and people were giving their lives to Jesus. There were, there were college students wanting to get baptized in our bathtub. And I was like, no, it's kind of weird. Like, like, but this is what I believe is that God was wanting to see if I would be faithful while I was uncomfortable. Is he going to be faithful while he's uncomfortable? I got a question for you. Has there ever been something in your life that needed to be done, but you didn't want to do it? Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's a couple of those kind of tasks at work, and it's like, I know that I need to do it, but I don't really what? I don't want to do it. There's some guys in the Bible, we, we call them heroes of the faith. There's all kinds of people who did these amazing things for God. And the reality is, is that they needed to do these things, but they didn't always want to do these things. There's David, right? This is a little boy, 13-year-old, listening to NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Like, he had three armpit hairs and a slingshot. <laughs> You're going to kill a giant today. No, I'm not. There's no way he woke up thinking, this is what I want to do Shad, Mish, and Abendi, right? We just heard about them a couple weeks ago. Like, these guys, there's no way that they woke up and they had their bacon. They were out there doing their thing, and it's like, today we will walk in the furnace. No, they were willing, but they didn't want to. Daniel, in the lion's den, he wasn't about to go pet some kitty cats. Like, I just imagine Pastor Rick having to do this part. Like, he's like, no, you know, I don't want that. So, 
No, he had to kill a lion in the lion's den. Then you have Abraham. Hey, you've got to wait 100 years for your son, Isaac. And then when he gets here, you got to kill him. Oh, yeah, sign me up for that one, right? No, I don't want to, but I'm willing. And then you got Jesus on the cross. And right before the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, God, if there is any other way, will you what? Will you take this cup from me? I know that I need to do it, but I don't always want to do it. I believe God is looking for some willing people. Did anybody growing up play with a Stretch Armstrong? Oh, yeah, yeah, somebody's excited. I had a Stretch Armstrong way back in the day, and I remember I was so strong, I just ripped his arms off. I'm kidding, I was never strong enough. But here's the thing about a Stretch Armstrong is that the only way that he grows is if he gets what? And it's the same thing as believers. We grow when we get stretched, and there's no way that we get stretched when we're too comfortable. The second thing I want you to write down is there will always be a boat going the opposite direction. There always is a boat going the opposite direction. I, I used an example I was talking about last night. It's like, it's like, today I will stop smoking. You go to the gas station, it's buy six, get six free. You know, like, and then it's like, it's like there's always a boat going the opposite direction. It says Jonah 1, uh, verse 3 through 6. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, a place of comfort, where he found a ship that was bound for that port. And it says, after paying the fare, he went and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and they cried out to their own God. And and this is very important. They threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. First of all, this is stupid. There was nothing wrong with the boat, and there was nothing wrong with the cargo. There was a guy named Jonah that was actually what? Beneath the surface that was the problem. It says, but Jonah had gone below the deck, and he had laid down and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and he said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. And maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. I want to ask you a bold question this morning. Is there something beneath the surface in your life that's actually the problem, it's actually the issue, and if you would be willing to to let God in the mix of that, he would begin to heal you and set you free. Because I think so often in our life we deal with the surface and we're throwing the cargo overboard and we're trying to fix the boat. There's nothing wrong with the boat. There's nothing wrong with the cargo. We have an issue with getting beneath the surface. I can tell you this, when I got saved, y'all, I was jacked up. Still am, but I was really jacked up, you know what I mean? But I was messed up. I used to steal. I used to take things that didn't belong to me. I stole for years and I got caught. On family vacation, my mom's here. It was awkward. I I was a thief, and and, and I used to lie. But now I'm defined by the truth of God's grace. I was so jacked up. I was addicted to substances. I was addicted to approval. I I would do anything to fit in. And and here's the deal. I was not only just a non-believer, but I laughed at believers. I was broken. But now I'm, I'm completely healed. Why am I healed? It's not because Seth is good. It's because God is good. 
He got what? He got beneath the surface. I let him into the, the, the dark places of my life and he began to heal me. What we need to know is there is always a boat going the opposite direction. Always a boat going the opposite direction. And, and Tarshish was the furthest place he could go from Nineveh. It was 2,500 miles away. And, and here's the deal. I want to pause really quick. Everybody look at me really quick. There is someone in this room this morning, and you think that you have gone too far to be reached by God. And I just want to let you know that is a lie from the pits of hell. That is not true. God's grace is for you. His love is for you. The cross was for you. Jesus loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. You can't outrun the grace of God on your life. He wants you. And here's the deal. It actually says this in Psalm 139, verse 7. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. I love the end of this. It says, you cannot escape the presence of God. That's good news for somebody in this room. That's good news for everybody in this room. You cannot escape the presence of God. I wrote this down. It is nearly impossible to do the will of God when you're on a boat going the opposite direction. The last thing I want you to take note of this morning is this. It's number three. It's wake up. Wake up and make a move. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to wake up. This is a good time to wake up, okay? Wake up and make a move, y'all. Jonah had to wake up. I, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to share a little bit of uh, my, my struggles in my life, okay? I have done this thing my whole life. It's called sleepwalking, all right? Anybody, I got any sleepwalking brothers or sisters in the house? We got a couple. Last night, there was one lady in the back. She was like, you know, I've sleptwalked my whole life. My, my mom's here, and she, she could agree. I would, as a kid, I would walk into her room and I would just stand there in the middle of the night. She would wake up and be like, ah, you know, it's like, what are you doing? I, I shared a room with my older brother, Ricky, growing up and, and Ricky would wake up in the middle of the night and I would be standing on my bed just pointing at the door. <laughs> That's scary, y'all. Like, if that was me, I would have been throwing something at me, right? Like, Ricky would just tug his head and just hide, you know? But I had this roommate in college. I texted him this week, and I said, I'm, I'm telling that story about you. I had a roommate in college. His name is Dylan. He's one of my best friends. And Dylan, he claimed that he sleep eats, okay? <laughs> and if you've had roommates currently or in the past, you know the golden rule of being a good, faithful roommate is that you don't eat my food. Mm, can I get an amen, you know? <laughs> and here's the deal. Dylan would wake up in the wee hours of the night and come and eat our food. And I hope he's watching right now. And this is what I noticed that some Nutty Buddy bars were gone. Honey buns were gone. Ramen noodles were gone. But one night I dressed in all black just like today for the occasion. <laughs> and I, I did a stakeout in the living room like any good person would do. And I was hiding on the couch waiting for him. I knew it was him. And of course, 1.30 in the morning, he comes, doo, 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 doo. it's like theme music in the hallway. Like He walks down the hall. I, I, I purposely 
left a whole pizza in the fridge. This guy goes to the fridge, opens it up, pulls the pizza out, slaps it on the counter, and, and, and I hear the most disgusting noises from the kitchen, okay? And I'm in the, I'm in, I'm in the, the, the living room. I'm like, I got a decision to make. Do, what, do I just bust up in there or do I sneak in there? So I snuck in there, okay? And I come around the corner. And I, just, I know that he saw me peek around the corner. And y'all know when somebody gets caught? Y'all know what I'm talking about and they know they're caught? He's like, it's like he went like this. And then he starts doing something I'll never forget. He starts going, oh, no. It's like he was trying to make me believe he was asleep. And I was like, Dylan, you are not a zombie. What is wrong with you? No one eats like that if they're awake or asleep. And so, y'all, he's got two pieces of pizza stacked on top of each other, like a pepperoni sandwich. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And so I grabbed Dylan's shoulders, I'll never forget, and I'm shaking him. I'm like, you are not asleep. And if you are asleep, you better wake up, you know? And I, I mean, that's funny, but I, with love from my heart, I want to grab some people, some Christians, some believers, and I want to say, you are not asleep. And if you are, you better wake up, you know? Just wake up. The life is temporary. This is a mission. This is a mission field. God has a purpose for your life. He wants you to love your coworkers. He wants you to forgive that family member who hurts you. He wants you to be on mission for him. But I can tell you this, that man, I've been a believer for eight years, which isn't a very long time. And it's so easy to just start going through the motions, everybody say it's my move. I believe that we need to wake up. It says in Jonah that they came to him and they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all of this trouble? And so they answered, he answered, he said, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? Like when your mama catch you doing something, you ain't supposed to, you snooping in the Christmas presents, right? What have you done? And they, they start, they freak out. And then he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And he replied, it, it will become calm. This part is very important. He says, I know that it is what? My fault. We live in a culture today where it is, it is almost like the biggest sin in the world to say, hey, that was my bad. Hey, that was, that was my fault. I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in the workplace, in your job, in your family, with your kids, with your spouse. If you would just say, hey, I'm sorry, it was my fault. Man, I'm gonna be bold and say, if we would go to God today and say, God, you know what? That was my bad. It, it was my fault. I'm sorry for, for going the opposite direction. It says, instead, they tried to row back to land and and then they cried out to the Lord and said, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. They throw him overboard. The raging sea grew calm and a fish we know comes up. Modern day Uber picks him up, takes him back to where he was supposed to be. If you would across the room, would you stand up? 
just stay in this moment, man, we're about to worship God. I believe that God is, is speaking to some people this morning, and, and I believe that we need to make a stand, and maybe you're in this place, and you're like, yeah, maybe I'm a little too comfortable. Maybe you're in this place, and you've hopped on a boat going the opposite direction, or maybe you're like I was, and I was just camped out at Tarshish, being completely disobedient to the Lord. About eight years ago, I gave my life to Jesus, and it was the best decision I've ever made. The day I made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life, 24 hours later, I got a phone call that my, my father was going to be released from prison. And, and I told myself my whole life, if when this day comes, it was going to be a very hard day for me. I'm going to tell you that me and my brother, we ended up meeting my, my dad at the bus station with my uncle. It was awesome. And and man, it was just so cool to see what happened. I'm not gonna go into detail, but I can tell you this, that I gave my life to Jesus and within 24 hours, there was a boat that was ready to go the opposite direction. And it was loaded down with bitterness. It was loaded down with unforgiveness and anger. All the pain that I felt as a kid. Maybe you're in a place today and you've made a decision for Jesus but it just seems like everywhere you turn, there's a boat just ready to go the opposite direction. I want you to turn to Jesus. I believe this is what God wanted me to see that day is that Seth, if you can forgive your father, you can do anything I've called you to do. If you can let go of the hurt, you can do anything that I lead you to do. I don't know about you, but when I face storms in my life and I still do, and the enemy is knocking on the door, I make a stand with my family. And I say, just like Jonah said, he said, I'm a Hebrew. He said, I worship the Lord. This is what I say. Hey, God, not God. Hey, devil, my name is Seth Tomboli, and I'm a son of the king. He has chosen me. He has rescued me. He has given me grace. He set me free. And so the boat that you've made look so beautiful go in the opposite direction. I'm going to pass on that. I'm going to pass on that. God has given me a purpose. He's given me a name. He's given me grace. And that same grace is for you. And so with no one looking around, if you would bow your heads across.